All right. Welcome, everybody. This is the Joe Danier podcast. I am Joe Danier, your host. And if you noticed yesterday on our normal um, release schedule, there was no podcast. And it's not that I did not record one. I just decided not to publish it because I got pissed off at it. Uh, I got about nine minutes into the recording and the topic was going down a pathway where I was I was on mental autopilot there was no creativity and once that starts happening and it's not me infused in any of these topics it becomes too regimented and rigid it dies so i put a bullet in its head and it's now uh off into the sunset and today is a new day so today i'm going to do free verse i do zero preparation as far as what i plan on talking about i just free roll it and uh today's topic uh, this is sort of like a long-term goal of me if you don't know who i am i'm an I, i'm a uh, an entrepreneur who struggled just like many entrepreneurs for the first 10 years. I mean, um, not making a whole lot of money, if any. Most of the times it was in the negative because, you know, even if you had some victories, a lot of the the losses uh, took the resources from the victories and either nullified them or even made, you know, left with the negative number. I survived all of them. I got to a point where, um, you know, in the future, I wanted to find versions of me that were out there that just needed encouragement and just needed help. And if I can jump in there and help someone stay in the game, then they get through and persist it and they end up winning. I, that's, that's my goal is I want to find me. Now I have this quandary. So I became a certain way because of the frictions that I created. And then I healed from those frictions and I got stronger because of those frictions. So would you take someone, even if it were yourself, and would you deny them creating those frictions for the ease of the pain that it causes if it means that they're going to be weaker sometimes in, in the future? So that that was my predicament. And it still is to this day. Uh, I want to go out in society and find people that I could help. And at the same time, I have to make sure that I don't help them too much because then that portion, that powerful, valuable portion that you get through those experiences is not there. And it's almost like analogy would be you help your kid with their homework, you help them all the time, they get really good grades and they're useless because they don't know how to get good grades. If it weren't for you, they wouldn't have good grades. So now you created a dependency. They didn't get strong right? You trick, you trick the system. And that's what I want to discourage. But on the other side of it, there are so many people that are paralyzed by discouragement that they need to remove some of their friction so they can start to move, right? They are stuck. They're not going anywhere. I had a conversation. And if you're listening to this podcast, I apologize for using you as this example, but is a really good example. So someone was on social media and they were you know, they were uh, complaining about how, um, you know, it's so unfair that rich people have all of this stuff and they want to be rich too. And when I, I hear somebody in that depressed state that this is the perfect time to feed someone in that state because they've got all of the fire to be able to pull themselves out of where because they're pissed off. I'm telling you, you get mad and mad will carry you through a lot of stuff. And so when I see someone mad at their current situation, I kind of pull them to see how you know pissed off they really are. And the more, more pissed off they are, the easier my job is to get them move, moving in a direction. So they, in this case, this kid um, you know, was pissed off but he had already decided what he was willing to do and not willing to do to improve his situation. And that's what he was pissed off about. He didn't want to work more. He didn't want to make any more sacrifices. He wanted to do what in his brain, what rich people do, which is they sit back, they make a couple of stock trades, and then they live a better life. 
And I can't be the one to tell somebody that that's really not how it's done. In the profile of all successful people that I've been around, that wasn't it. So if I were to package that, I wouldn't even know what to teach because that's really uh, maybe what you would see if they were taking a rich person and depicting them in a movie. But that's not reality. That is not anything that I've ever been around. It might happen for some people, but that's not the, the quickest route as far as I'm concerned. So what I would do, and I this is actually what I teach. I said, here's the deal. I want you to go through your schedule. And now I want you to basically do a budget, a time budget of where you're spending your time. You know, I know you say you don't want to uh, risk and you don't want to, you know, uh, sacrifice any more of your family time, or you don't want to do much different, but maybe if we just carve out some, some hours or some minutes, you could start drilling that into some kind of passion project and see if you can get, give, give it some momentum in a certain, you know, a certain direction. Maybe you'll fall in love with making something. Maybe you'll fall in love with creating content. Maybe, maybe you will like something better than that time that you spent. So if you're like, I keep writing down this thing, like watch TV. And I spent seven hours yesterday watching TV. This is an accusation that TV would have been on there. I'm saying all of us have stuff in our schedule that when we write it down, we wish we didn't write that down. And that's something if we could you know, on the deathbed, if we go back and reclaim some time, that's where it would come from. You don't have to wait to your deathbed. We can do that right now. So in this case, I'd sit down with you and I would say, okay, what'd you do from, uh, what time did you wake up? Okay. I woke up at eight o'clock. What'd you do from eight to nine? Okay. This, this, and this nine to 10. And I do that all day long. And what I wouldn't touch and what I don't ever touch is I don't touch sleep. Right. And I don't touch work because those are two things that are pretty regimented already. And they disturb too many other things. So all I do then is I take all free time. So let's just say you eat dinner. I'm not touching that. Hang out with family. I'm not touching that. Play board games. I'm not touching that. Read a book. I'm not touching that. Uh, do preparation. I'm not touching that. But if anything appears that I say, hey, you know what? Let's talk about that. See, you spent this time here. And, you know, let's move time and money. Like we do the same thing. If we took every dollar that comes in our paycheck, that's the to the totality of resources we have to spend. And then we start mapping out every dollar and how we spent it out of that there's going to be some stuff on that list that weren't as fulfilling. And if you can go back in time, you, you would not spend it the same way that you did the first time. That's the same thing you're doing with time. You're taking that, hey, I, I spent 15 minutes doing this. Let me squish that down to five minutes and then repurpose the other 10 minutes. That's what we're doing. We're taking little 10 minute, half hour, 40. It's not a punitive things where you're not accusing yourself of being lazy or stupid right? What you're doing is seeing if you have any, any usable time in that schedule that you can use for something that you can get super excited about and, you know, add some purpose to your existence. And so in, in this example, the person already decided that they didn't want to do anything more. They just wanted to have this access to a secret mystery button that made success happen. And they wanted to be able to push it. Can you show me where the button is? I can't help with that. Slide myself forward. There are people right now that I could be a blessing to if I were to arrive and and be an authority in their world and give them the information and then they have the eagerness or the, you know, the ability to wield anything they're being taught and then see how that works and manifests itself in the real world. And I always picture, and I feel guilty about this sometimes. I feel when I when I picture my market, like I'm a marketing guy, right? And so when I'm selling something, I find somebody somebody who I think would value what I'm selling. 
And I, when I picture them, I, I wake up every day when I'm selling my product and they are always the one that I'm, you know, massaging and, and manicuring my product to be perfect for. It's not for me. It's for the, my perfect buyer. And when, when I think of some, someone who really could, you know, really could use my services and really use my information and really use my strategy, I picture someone who's at the bottom, right? Nothing to lose. Um, lots of ambition, some brokenness. So they've got some healing. They're going to have some tenacity because they're used to escaping things that are nice and scary. So I won't, I won't be able to, uh, uh, I, I won't be able to make them afraid because they've seen worse. Uh, they have every reason to do it. And you know, what is the worst that can happen? And so that's my, my target market. So when I, when I do that, I go out into the marketplace and where would I find somebody? Well, Obviously, I have to go to places that I'm not because I, I'm not surrounded by people that have that, you know, profile. So I have to go find them. And and I have yet to run across my target market in, you know, I've seen glimpses of it. We used to work with some uh, recovering addicts, right? So that's low point. I mean, if you have access to people that are on the come and you uh, you get you, you time it right, so that they're far enough in their recovery that they could take situations without, because recovery is first and then everything else is second. So if you can do something, adapt in the risk level so that you don't undo the recovery part of, you know, of their process, then, you know, you got a pretty good thing. And I, I worked with a couple of them, but they're not my target market, right? There are, there are, I, I, what I picture is youth. I think kids as they're getting started have a you know, a false sense of how things actually work because they're they're given most of their information through things like um, artists and, you know, it, through music or television or music or, or I'm sorry, movies or what they get on social media. So if you if you quiz them on how uh, how things actually function, they probably feel more victim. You know, they feel like that other dude, like even if they try, they're not going to get ahead. So why even try? So they're, they're, they try to take up and instead of doing it, on the straight up where they just trade hard work and tenacity for the victory that they're after, uh, they would much rather go after the hack, right? Because they want to make sure that this is going to pay off because they, it, the, the victimhood of where we live right now is that just when you achieve, just when you get to a certain point, then the man is going to come along and take it from you anyway. So if I can't, if I can't see it and measure it and have it right now, then it's not mine. And I'm, it, you know, I, I don't believe in it enough to give it 10 years to manifest. When I did it, it took freaking 10 years, but I didn't have someone telling me that um, that's what I should do. It was me. And I believed me and I knew I could do it. Well, if, if you've got a culture that does nothing but tell kids and, and, uh, and even adults that they're a victim of circumstances and it's, uh, you know, the deck is stacked against you and no matter what you do, you're, you're going to lose. Well, of course, you're going to not have bunch faith. You're going to be a single dimensional person because you don't have the time enough to let the second dimension take shape, right? You already mistrust the first definition or dimension. Are you really going to wait out the first dimension if it doesn't look like it's playing out in some measurable way? Hell no. So if, if, if true success happens on the fourth dimension, most of you do not have the ability to survive the first 30 minutes. And that's why you're stopping short because you're, you're already certain what, how this is going to play out. And you're just looking for, you know, your confirmation uh, for that. It's not going to work out and you're getting, you're going to get it. And, and so that's uh you know, a little bit about 
you know, this program and and what it is for, like I remind myself on a regular basis that you're going to have half my audience that are looking for the next sampling of information. And half of my audience is going to be people who disagree that they even need to do what I'm suggesting, that it's not for them and whatever. And I'm telling you, both of you, my audience, and in fact, the more valuable part of it, and I'm not to say the people that are already bought in aren't valuable to me as a person. I'm saying value as a prospect, a, ri a risk reward. People that are already bought into this, you guys are probably at 90%. You almost don't need me. But the other one, the one that really do need me, they don't, they're not even convinced that they do need me. And that's why the risk reward proposition there is so skewed on the high side that if you took 10 people, I don't think I can give influence, right? If I gave just my regular set of influence, I don't think that any of them would not at least pick up something. There would be one little nugget because you're starting from scratch. Like most, you know, I sat down with a guy the other day at my conference table and we were talking uh, strategy. Now I was, I was filling in some good stuff. But then he was also filling me in on some good stuff that he read. He was just as well read as I am. He brought some strategies to the table that I hadn't heard of. And they were really, you know, there were some really good stuff. So you you saw like once you get developed to support, you don't know. And then you stop adding to your arsenal, your inventory or, you know, the ingredients of who you are, you're in a constant state. Once you pick that up, it's a forever thing. But if you get to someone who knows nothing, doesn't know the strategy, doesn't know the math, they're a ball of emotion that, that just kind of feels their way through things, you start adding even a little bit of math and they're already made better. If you just suggest that there's a thing called a time budget, they're made better. If you just suggest that there's a thing called a financial budget, they're made better because that sticks. Like, hey, you know what? I've heard of this budget. I've never actually done one. Right. But you gave them a little confirmation that some people do that. I'm living, breathing, walking evidence that time and money budgets are a thing. I just in a couple shows last week, I mentioned my my 12 year old. We're talking about putting together allocation of time you know, to achieve certain things. So, and, and so this is real world practice thing. So any one of you who comes to the table, I don't care if you're at the bottom and you're just getting started. Um, you know, when, when you've come across something that you see other people are doing like, Hey, uh, this marathon runner, and I love the marathon runner example, this marathon runner eats a banana in the morning, right? So either you are curious and you eat a banana too, maybe it's not even part of the running thing or you are so special that I don't care if banana is required for a marathon. You are going to go the hard route and you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to do it in spite of that banana. So you're going to be one of those two people. Either you will adopt it before you even understand it, or you're going to not, not, not only are you going to disagree with it. Like you're not going to say that you can get in there, but you're, you're going to deny it its presence in and not be a factor at all. You're going to make it harder because remember, usually when you're at that bottom, you've already decided something and you're looking for confirmation that you were right more so than you're looking for evidence to see what the truth is. You, you have an outcome that you're already bought into. I will never understand that because the outcome doesn't serve you well. So being right about something not being successful just gives you the opportunity to make an excuse to another person. Look, I tried it out and the banana, look, I, I ate the banana and I, I ran a marathon and I fell over dead, right? That's what you're waiting to see. The banana had nothing to do with it. You can't wait to disagree that the people who are out there doing it in the real world, 
right? Have it wrong. You have it, even though you're not doing it and don't want to do it and you disagree with doing it, you have the right answer. And that is that level of, of, of ignorance is what keeps a lot of people paralyzed in that, that state where they're not and they're disagreeing with it and they just want to argue about it. And, hmm, you know, the pouty. And, and that is, like I said, that's, that's not only ignorant, but that is so immature uh, mentally. So, all right, this has been the Joe Danny Podcast.